Well, praise God. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I believe I want to start in about verse 25. It's so important for a believer to discover all that has been done in them as their lives are identified with Christ and salvation and all that is available to them through their identification with Christ. Do you know your life, you're identified with Jesus Christ? Isn't that awesome? It's so good. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, Paul says this. He says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So there was a mystery that from Adam all the way, all the way through the beginning of the church age, or right, right up into the church age, had been hidden from ages and generations. But when the age of grace, the church age started, when Jesus came out of the grave, when he said, all authority in heaven and on the earth and under the earth has been given to me and now I'm sending you in my name. So now this mystery has been revealed. What is the mystery? And notice this mystery is revealed to his saints, his children, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. This word riches means the inexhaustible supply of riches. What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The word hope in the Bible, Bible hope means a joyous, confident expectation. It doesn't mean I hope it, I hope it happens, which means it may happen, it may not. No, that's not Bible hope. This word hope means I have a confident, joyous expectation that it's going to happen. What's going to happen? It says it right here. The hope of glory. Do you know in your heart, the number one desire of your heart is that the glory of God will be shown on the outside of you. It's, it's at the very core of our DNA. So now when you have a revelation that as I'm, as I'm standing here today, the Spirit of the Lord dwells in me. And because of that, I can expect the glory of God to show out of my life. And so what does that do? It changes the way I think. It changes the way I believe. It changes the way I speak. And it changes the results in every area of my life. God said in the book of Numbers, he said, as truly as I live, this is an oracle of God in the Old Testament. That means a never-ending there's no possibility of this not happening. As truly as I live, it's a never-ending law of God. 
my glory will cover this earth as the waters cover the seas. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that because it burns in my heart as a pastor, as it burns in the heart of every believer to see revival, to see the church wake up and revival to hit so that multitudes of people who don't know God can know God. When revival hits, it's like a light gets turned on in cities, in regions, in states, and even in countries. And we believe we're going to see that. It goes on to say in verse 28, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So it says some big things here. And if Jake, if you could pull this up in the Amplified Translation. The Amplified Translation, it, it has, when you read it, it has little things in parentheses. They're called parenthetical definitions. And what they do is they amplify the Greek meaning of the word. Okay? So it says, Him we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom. What does that mean? In all comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. So if you come to this church as I teach the Word of God, as the Lord directs me, it should be, you should be learning and getting comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. God fulfills his purposes through his ways. So you have to know his ways. If you don't know his ways, you will never be a doer of the word. You'll just be a hearer. Because ignorance in God's ways and purposes it literally causes you to be inactive. You don't know what to do. Does that make sense? And if you're inactive, you'll live an ineffective life. You'll live far below what God has for you. And he doesn't want that for any of us. But then it goes on to see that we may present every person mature. See, as you sit here, you should be planted in a church where you expect, I am here to be equipped and empowered and encouraged into the comprehensive insight and of the ways and purposes of God, that I grow up, that I not only learn the principles of the Word of God, but I also learn His ways and His purposes so that I could apply the Word of God to my life specifically so that I could overcome everything that comes against me so that I can walk out God's plan. First of all, know it and then walk it out. This has to be taught all the time. This is a foundation of what Paul did. And we, we're doing the same thing today. Why? Because we want to present every person mature. What does that Greek word mature mean? It means fully grown. Here's a big one. Fully initiated. Every one of you want to be fully initiated into God's plan for your life. Don't you? If you don't know that, just get in the Word and spend time with Him and you'll want that because that's in you. And also complete. That means whole. God wants you to walk as a whole person. 
He, he wants everything that the enemy has stolen from you, he wants to bring it back and he wants to remove all the scars from all the hurts. He wants to change the way you think so that your thinking is not based on your past. It's not based on the information, the association, the teachings that you sat under in your past. But God wants you perfect in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Do you know perfect is not flawless? And see, this is what Satan will try to do to mess you up. Because as you're walking like this, you'll make mistakes sometimes. You'll, oh, you don't have to, but you'll jump over in the flesh and say something stupid or do something stupid. And here's the thing, he'll jump on you and say, see, you're not perfect, you're a mess. And what he's trying to do is put guilt, shame, and condemnation on you. And, and he has to do that because God never would. God actually took it all off of you. So don't buy those lies. Perfect means wholehearted. That means when you mess up, you're like, I messed up and I didn't have to. I repent and I jump right back and I keep going. Amen? That's how we live. We travel light as Christians. You're going to minister to multitudes of people who don't know God that they travel with all the junk in their life and of their past. And the gospel is this, guys. The gospel is not, if you don't accept Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. That is not the gospel. The gospel is this, that to, almost 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven sent his son to this earth. His son took him on himself a body, a human body, and he was a sinless sacrifice, and he literally died for the sins of all mankind. He paid your price, and now this is the good news. Now God is not holding any man's sin against them. This is why now the Holy Spirit has a legal right to come in to a person who doesn't know the Lord and wake up their conscience so that they can see and know, hey, I can be saved. I could have a relationship with God. That is the gospel. Isn't that good news? So I love that. Go ahead and put that back up again. I want to read it in its entirety. Him we preach and proclaim, warning, admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God that we might present every person mature, fully grown, fully initiated, complete, and perfect in Christ, the Anointed One. Isn't that awesome? So I want to talk to you today about the grace of God a little bit. You know, I went a little bit into this Saturday with the men, and, uh, you know, I just, I just haven't been able to get away from it. And then in worship today, it just jumped. And there's some things that the Lord wants to bring out today. So go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? Praise God. If, if you're not, your wood's wet. But don't worry, we've got wood dryers in here. The Holy Spirit will dry your wood that you'll get all excited. Praise God. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. This is talking about Adam's sin. When Adam sinned, basically sin came into this earth realm and death is always the result of sin. So now after that is where you see 
murder, you see sickness and disease, you see poverty, you see all kinds of things happening. Uh, and that's why Jesus, see, see, death reigned. But then it goes on, it says much more. That means so much more that it can't even be compared to. They which receive. Notice it doesn't say they which God gives. It's they which receive. See, everybody is wanting to give them, wanting God to give them something right now. But you know, it's not a matter of God giving it to you. Why? Because when Jesus said it was finished, he gave it all to you. It's a matter of will you receive it now? See, this no-fault religion stuff doesn't work. False doctrine, if you ever, if you ever hear a false doctrine, what it does is it puts you in a passive position against the enemy. If you think that God is willing to heal everyone in this room except one person, there's not one person in this room that could have faith to be healed. Because how do you know you're not the one? This is why God says over and over and over, I am the Lord, I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm no respecter of persons. What I've done for one, I'll do for all. There's no variableness in me. What, that means what I've, if I've done it for one, I'll do it for anyone. He died for the sins of the whole world. The hardest thing about a person who will stand before God at the, judge, or at the white throne judgment someday, after it's all over, the, the worst thing about hell is going to be this. Everybody there will know that they didn't have to be there. That all of it was paid for. They just decided to live for themselves and not receive that sacrifice. And God can't make anybody get saved because he won't violate their will. They'll realize, man, God's not sending me to hell. He's honoring my request to go there. See, I'm identified with Satan if I don't receive Christ, so I will go where he goes. It's just the spiritual truth. Well, how can, a, how can a loving God send people to hell? Well, you're ignorant. He doesn't. People go there. They choose to go there. Well, how can a loving God heal some and not others? Well, you're ignorant of the word of God. He doesn't. He's provided healing for everyone. He won't bless you or I any more than he was willing to bless Jesus or any less. It's awesome. God is wonderful. If you jump down to verse 21, it says here, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. How does grace reign? Through righteousness unto eternal life. So this is how it works. Remember John 10.10 where Jesus said, Listen, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life. That word life is the Greek word zoe. It means the God quality of life. And that more abundantly, well, this is how he does this. Grace reigns. What is grace? It's God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. It, is, it literally would be the finished work of Christ, all that that is. God, everything God's done for us, we didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. I think we kind of sang about that today. Imagine that, right? So, so, you know, that happens only, I think, only every service, right? Pretty much. So, so we, we don't deserve it. 
right? All of these things, but God gave it to us. And now we have to receive through faith what he's given us by his grace. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. Does that make sense? So now the grace of God, all these things God's provided for us, the grace of God will reign through righteousness. Well, what's righteousness? Righteousness. It is the position that we are given in God when we're born again. What happens is the Holy Spirit comes into, comes into the inside of this earth suit of mine, takes out the spiritually dead spirit that I was, or that I am at the time, but he takes it out. It's gone forever. Old things are passed away. He puts a brand new spirit in me. Why does he do that? Everything God does is for one purpose, so that you can know him. So he's got to put a brand new spirit in you and then the Holy Spirit comes in and will dwell inside of you forever. Not just here on the earth, forever. It's going to be awesome walking around with the Holy Spirit on the outside, seeing him and going, man, this is awesome. You're here and you're in me. And he'll go, oh yeah, that's the way it was when you were on the earth too. You were in me, and then in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you were upon me. You were beside me. You were going in front of me, right? All these things are the same. Well, what happens now? He sheds the agape love of God abroad in my heart, so now I'm able to love others. Well, first of all, love God, love others, and love myself unconditionally. So this gives me this ability. So now as I'm made the very righteousness of God, now as I gain revelation knowledge of that, I can, I can now receive through faith everything God's given me by his grace. And it will cause me to do what? It says it right here. Look at that. Unto eternal life. So the grace of God will reign in my life through righteousness unto eternal life. It's what fuels me to walk in the Zoe life of God. Does that make sense? Now, to really get this, you just need to start meditating in it. Because you're hearing it maybe for the first time. I would encourage you, get that verse and just start meditating in it. Start speaking it over and over and over to yourself. Holy Spirit, show me, what does it mean where grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life? See, I start weeping because I remember doing that and all of a sudden lights come on. And you know now for probably 20 years maybe, maybe a little more than that, lights have been going on and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life, and Satan cannot stop it. See, what really is, another definition of grace, I love this, God doing for you what you can't do for yourself, but really, here's a definition that I came up with years ago, I love this, and I, I don't believe I gave it, came up with it, I, I believe like everything else, the Lord, not, nothing's new, the Lord just reveals this to me, but really, grace 
is, is literally a divine deposit on the inside of a person of God's ability which will bring about incredible inward strength and will produce incredible manifestations on the outside, causing you to walk in victory in every arena of your life, causing you to overcome everything you face in life. It's literally the, the divine deposit of his ability on the inside of me that makes me so strong in him on the inside. The Ephesians says it this way, in Ephesians 6.10, it describes it. Be strong in the Lord. That in the Greek it would read, be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. What is that? His grace is strengthening me. His ability is making me strong on the inside in Him. I love that. So now if you back up in the same chapter, let's go to verse 1. I want to see, show you another aspect of the grace of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says here, Therefore, being justified by faith. See, that word justified means we've been declared righteous by faith. How was I made the righteousness of Almighty God? I simply believed His word. I couldn't earn it. I, I don't deserve it, right? At all. But I simply, when I heard the gospel, I believed it, and I was made the righteousness of God. He was made sin. He was made to bear all of my sin on that cross so that I would come to be the very righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Word of God says. So it goes on here. Hallelujah. I love this. Verse, well, let's, we'll just read, I want to start reading it over because I don't want to miss it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's not mad at you. If you've been doing the wrong thing, and see, here's the problem in the church today. And, and here, here's the great thing about Faith Family Church you're going to hear the word of God under the anointing. So you're going to see some things, you're going to hear truth, you're going to learn some things. Here's the number one bad thing about that, is you're going to be responsible for it. You know, expect Satan to come and try to just take you out. It's okay, because it's incredible what you learn when you learn he can't do it. We have to learn this. Number one, God's not mad at you. So if you're choosing not to walk by faith, if you're choosing not to walk in his love, if you're choosing not to be led by his spirit, guess what? He loves you just as much as if you were choosing it. Now, he might not be pleased, but you know why he's not pleased? He's not pleased because he can't get over to you what he's already given you. It's not that he's displeased because, man, you know, you're just a mess and all this other stuff. Nope. The Bible says he never gets down on you for the mess you've created. I remember one time in my life, I mean, I'm sure I've given Satan notes. I'm sure I've done things in my life where he's like, oh, wow, nobody in history has ever done that. Let's take a note. This is great, right? But I remember at one point in my life where he told me, he said, Tony, 
my mercy is so much greater than your disobedience. He goes, I don't really care where you've been. And I don't even care where you are right now. What I am asking you is, will you please forget all of that and turn, and will you go with me from this point on? I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. God's not mad at you. You need to know that. When you mess up, when, I should say this, when you choose to mess up, because, you know, we can't be like, like there was an old TV show in the 70s, Sanford and Son, remember, Lamont, the devil made me do it. Was that, was that the show, right? No, the devil can't make you do anything. You choose it. But I'm telling you, what you chose to do is already paid for. So just jump back, repent, and get back in line. And the more you get in the Word and the more you grow, the more you surround yourself with pe- the right people. The more you hear the right thing, you'll start thinking right, believing right, speaking right. It'll change your whole life. But how could God ever be mad at you? He already condemned all your sin once and for all in the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So how do we access the things that God has given to us by his grace. How do we access his divine ability, the grace of God? I access it through faith. In other words, I believe what his word says in my heart and I speak it out of my mouth. That's how I access the grace. Look at that. Wherein we stand and rejoice. If you're not accessing the grace, you won't be able to stand. You won't be able to rejoice. But oh, when you access the grace of God, you're going to be, you're you're immovable. You'll stand and rejoice, what? Again, in hope, a confident, joyous expectation that the glory of God will be seen in my life. Stand. You'll be able to stand. Go to Isaiah 54. Let's look at this. Isaiah 54. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what verse when I get there. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 14. Look at this. This deals with this stand thing. It says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. In righteousness. So this is Isaiah the prophet talking about our day. In righteousness thou shalt be established. I'm so glad I could hear you guys thinking and asking me, what does that word established mean? So I'll go ahead and tell you, in the Hebrew language, it literally means fixed and immovable. Notice you're not fixed and immovable in yourself. You're not fixed and immovable just because you do the right thing. No, you're fixed and immovable because of the position you have with God. In righteousness, you shall be established. Look at this. You shall be far from oppression. In righteousness. What's oppression? That word oppression means something that exercises hard control over you. Do you have any kind of addiction in your life? could be a food addiction. It could be cigarettes is a big addiction. Alcohol, drugs, 
pornography, lying, gossiping. Self-centeredness is a huge addiction. It's kind of the root of addictions. Yeah, for, for Mark Mason and, and his group of followers, of which I'm one of them, chicken and rice could be an addiction, right? Yeah. But literally, it says, in righteousness you'll be far from oppression. Look at this. For you shall not fear. You'll never, you can never be oppressed by the enemy if you don't fear. Perfect love, which is shed abroad in your heart, casts out fear. Isn't that amazing? And from terror, because it won't come near you. Those evil twins. Actually, they're triplets. Really, it's fear, doubt, and terror. What happens is when oppression comes in, because of fear, Mr. Oppression will then, you think that's bad enough, and then he'll go and open the door for Mr. Terror to come in. So that you could start having, have you ever met somebody or have you ever had one, an anxiety attack? All of a sudden, your emotions are freaking out and you can't stop it. And what, is it, what does an anxiety attack produce? Fear, which produces oppression, which produces terror, and it's a spiral. And that spiral can be completely obliterated in a child of God's life the moment they realize they've been made the very righteousness of God. That God's not mad at them, that I'm in him, and that righteousness will never be changed. <clears throat> Boy, that's good preaching, Pastor. You should just keep going. Oh, I think I will. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> it says, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. You know, if you back up a verse just for you parents and you future parents, it says this in verse 13, talking in the same thing about righteous, righteousness, and all your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. One of the greatest things you can do for your children is walk in the righteousness of God. Because what will happen in that place, now the Holy Spirit will give you things to speak over your children that, so that the door can be opened for the Lord to teach them. Yeah, but they want nothing to do with God. Oh, don't worry about that. Everything the enemy is doing in your child's life is nothing compared to what God can do. Yeah, but you don't understand. They're not even in this country. They're in another country. doesn't matter. There's no time or distance in the spirit. God will work on your family wherever they are. You don't even have to work on them. You just keep giving them. You keep walking in your righteousness. All of a sudden, they're experiencing peace. When? All of a sudden, they're calling you up. Mom, Dad, man, I've been in church for the last six months. You, you know that, that your children then because they don't tell you things right away. It's usually six months later, right? So, so, oh man, I'm just, God is so good and I'm in the word. See, they're walking in great peace. As you walk in your righteousness, you'll see that. This is a huge, huge chapter. It says in verse 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Wow. It's amazing. You know the foundation of your trust in God is his word. So if you're not in his word, you'll never be able to trust him. But if you just live in his word, you'll learn to trust the Lord in every area of your life. And, and trust is expressed in rest. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. 
boy, here, I, I, I got to say this. Have ears to hear this morning. Because I could hear, I could hear down in my spirit, people are saying, man, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. You've listened to it a lot, but you haven't heard it. Because I'm telling you, if, as we really hear this, no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. That means nothing. No person, no situation, no economy, no anything will prosper. Wow. Here's another one. And every tongue that may rise against you, notice it doesn't say that, that shall rise against you, in judgment you shall condemn. Notice you don't condemn the person, you just condemn. See, we live on a word planet. Words are everything. This whole planet was created by God's words. We, as the body of Christ, govern. We operate as we speak God's words. Your tongue is your steering wheel. It will, it will produce life or death. It'll take you in that direction. As you parent, as you parent and you see your kids doing the wrong thing, you'll be tempted to say, speak death over them, which will literally be used by the enemy to lead them into more death. So we got to be conscious of this. You'll be tempted to speak death over your enemy. Don't do that. Speak life. But see, how do you do all that? You have to know who you are in him. You have to know what he's given you. It says here, this, all of this that we've talked about is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isn't that awesome? See, what are we talking about? When the enemy comes against you, he's always gonna, he's gonna come against your identity. He did that with Jesus. He's going to do that with you. He said, if you be the son of God, he's going to say the same thing with you. That's why in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, the mature sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, it tells us how in verse 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I, I really was asking the Lord that one time. I'm like, okay. So I'm led by the Spirit of God, but the one example you said, it's just he bears witness that I'm a child of God. Well, I already know that. And then the Lord started taking me through scriptures. Tony, when sickness attacks your body, the first thing the Holy Spirit's going to tell you is you're a child of God. That has no legal right in your body. If poverty and lack ever attacks you, the Holy Spirit's going to be down on the inside going, you're a child of God. Don't accept that. Right? Does that make sense? In everything. When you get in a situation, you know, let's say it doesn't matter what you're doing. Let's say you're an athlete and you're, and you have a bad, you're having a bad game. The Holy Spirit's going to be talking to you like this. He's not going to be talking to you how to fix your shot or how to do this. No, you're a child of God and I've called you to be the head and not the tail. 
So don't give in to this. Don't let your mouth go, man, I'm just having a bad game. No, start saying, I, I'm having a good game. I'm going to hit the ball. I'm going to shoot right. I'm at whatever. When I'm at work, when I'm in sales, whatever it is, speak the word of God, but it'll all come out of you're a child of God and you've been given certain things. I love that. We can never get away from that. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against thee in judgment you'll condemn. This is the heritage. And it says here of the servants of the Lord, let's bring it into the New Testament. This is the heritage of the children of the Lord. For their righteousness is of me. This, is, this has a dual meaning. It's a prophetic meaning of the church. This time we're living in right now. So go to 2 go to Peter, because I want to ta- show you about this strength that grace will do. 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 8. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? Yeah. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeah. Man, be a, this is a great meal. And then when you go to lunch, that's just dessert. 2 Peter chapter 3, where am I at here? Chapter 3, verse 8, is that what I want, but beloved? All right, that's not what I want. Maybe it's 1 Peter, I always get these all mixed up. Okay, I don't know where, oh, you know what, it's 2 Peter chapter, I bet it's verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, yeah, verse 18. There we go. Praise God. This flowing thing. You know, the Holy Spirit, when he flows, is perfect. The kink is the guy you're looking at. But I love it. I love it. It's wonderful. Verse 18, look at this. Paul said this, but grow in grace. Isn't that amazing that I can grow in grace? See, when you understand the Greek word for grace, the major definition of grace, it's the Greek word charis. You can grow in this. It literally means the grace of God is the divine reflection or the divine impartation of his very life. Uh, it, It talks about it's a divine input or deposit, I guess would be the best word to say, in you which is now reflected out of you. You can grow in that. The more you grow in the grace of God, the more revelation you have on the inside of you of what the grace of God is, so now it can now reflect out of you greater. But Paul says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, you can grow in it. As you grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, all he's provided, who he's made you. In other words, Jesus Christ is the word of God. As you grow in your knowledge of the word, you'll grow in grace. To him be glory, both now and forever. Now, let's look at what Paul said to Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. In 2 Timothy 2.1, it says this. Paul talking to Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is where? In Christ Jesus. Wow. 
See, I have access by faith into this grace which causes me to be strong in Him so that I can stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I love that. Be strong in the grace. Let's look at another scripture. Go to Acts chapter 20 and verse, and, and verse 32. Acts 20, 32. See, grace, we talked about how it produces inner strength. That inner strength will produce victory in every area of your life. It'll produce maturity. It'll produce peace. It produces everything. So in Acts 20, 32, it says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. It's the grace of God that is able to build you up. You have to be built up so that now you can, you can be given your inheritance. You gotta be built up to receive your inheritance. And you don't build yourself up and you don't give yourself your inheritance, the grace of God will do that for you. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, as you go through these scriptures, you'll start to see that this walk of faith is truly a rest. So now go to 1 Corinthians 15 as we're kind of coming down the hill. I just got to read a couple more scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Hallelujah. I have about 40 scriptures going through me, but we're going to stick to just, we're going to try to end at the right place. You know, I've never, I've never missed it by going too short. I've always missed it by going too long. But it's still the word, so it's all good. Look at what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, everything that I am is by the grace of God. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, it says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And then he says, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. There is to be a daily flow of grace in your life. A daily flow. Isn't that amazing? So you're in, you're in 1 Corinthians. Keep going right. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So this is talking about Paul's thorn. So it says here in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that he was given, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. That means something blow after blow after blow. Thorn in the flesh, thorn in the side, all throughout scriptures is always something that came against the children of Israel to try to stop God's plan. You can see this messenger of Satan's work 
Everywhere Paul would go, they would literally worship him. And in a couple days, they're beating him and throwing him in prison. Then he'd go to another city and they would, they, all of a sudden he's having some great things happen and then they would stone him. And then, you know, he would go over here, he'd be shipwrecked. All, this was the messenger of Satan causing all these things. So look at, what, look at what happened here. To buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. That means lest I should go beyond the normal mark of a man. For this thing, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. In other words, he went to God and said, Father, can you take this from me? And then God responded to him. God didn't say no. He gave him the answer. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, notice this, my strength, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Now, this is the Greek word asthenia. It doesn't mean sickness and disease. It literally means weakness. If in, in, the, in the rarest or clearest form, it means an inability to produce results. Have you ever been in, a, in your life in a situation where all of a sudden you're like, there's nothing I could do to make this right. That's when you need the grace of God. Because the grace of God could do it. It opens doors. You know how the Bible says it opens doors? He opens doors that no man can shut? That's the grace. He shuts doors that no man can open. You know how it says he'll make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, right? That's all the grace of God working in the believer. That's what it is. All these things. When you walk through the fire, it won't, it won't kindle upon you, right? That's the grace of God. You'll never be alone. Why? Because it's the grace of God. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It's all the grace of God. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. For the abundance of revelations, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now Paul's saying, I'm going to rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may what? Rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. And here it is. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, what is that? When I come to the realization that without God, I can't do it, that's when you're strong. That's when you're strong. So let me close with this. Galatians chapter 2. I want you to see the heart of this man. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said this, I... And literally in the Greek it would read, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Aren't you glad we live? But how do we live? Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how I live. Acts 17, verse 28 says, 
For it is in him that I live, that I move, and that I have my very being. I got to tell you, get ready. Because God wants to take you places you never dreamed you'd ever go. Do things you never saw yourself do. But you will see it before you do it. You'll see it on the inside. We walk and move and live in the grace of God. Amen?